Designed by Wingnut Social is brought to you by Wingnut Social, the leading interior design and home pro digital marketing agency. We know it works so you don't have to. Learn more at wingnutsocial.com. Hey, Darla here, and I have a question for you. What would it mean to your bottom line for your interior design firm if you could sign just one client from your Instagram marketing efforts? Is it 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000 and up? Well, if you're a principal of your interior design firm and you're overwhelmed with your Instagram marketing, you have no idea how to do, what to do, when to post, what to post, what hashtags to use, how to use ads, that the whole gamut, it's incredibly overwhelming, then I want to introduce you to Instagram for interior designers. It's Wingnut Social's very first online on-demand course with over seven modules, 61 lessons that's going to answer all of those questions for you and help you to put together a very actionable marketing strategy for your interior design firm tailored to you with workbooks and exercises and just just everything you could possibly need there. To find out more information on Instagram for interior designers, head on over to wingnutsocial.com, check out Wingnut Academy, or you can go to wingnutsocial.com slash Instagram for interior designers. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your design business? Then welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social helping home professionals accelerate their success with proven industry practices and expert advice. Hey kids, and welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social. I'm your host, interior decorator, Darla Jethro Powell, and I am also the Grand High Poobah of all things here at Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency for interior designers, furniture, 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 furnishings, furniture manufacturers and architects. And on today's show, we're going to have uncomfortable conversation, not really uncomfortable, only uncomfortable in the way that sometimes we just don't like talking about money. We like to put our heads in the sand. And by we, I mean me. You may or may not have something similar. But today's guest, Danielle Hendon, is a CFO for Four Corners CFO. And she's going to talk to us about the biggest three red flags that she sees with service-based businesses. And if you're an interior designer, hey, guess what? That's what you do and uh, how to address them, how to think about them, how to fix these red flags. So you might be surprised by that. Before we get into my interview with Danielle Hendon, I want to remind you that our flagship course, our online course, Instagram for interior designers, I almost said marketing for interior designers, which is basically what it is because 95% of your ideal clients are going to be living on Instagram unless you're a unicorn and still in there on Facebook. And we do have though, they do exist, smaller communities and different kinds of levels of interior designers. Or if you're a commercial designer, maybe LinkedIn is your main channel. But most of the time, our industry is going to get their leads on social from Instagram. So we have an online course, Instagram for Interior Designers, which you go take that course at your own pace. It could take you uh, six months. It could take you three months. It could take you a week. It could take you five years. It doesn't matter. Take it at your own pace and put together a marketing strategy for your interior design firm tailored to your branding, your messaging, your voice, your ideal client, your market, your competitor research, all of that stuff. It walks you through, for the most part, all of the best practices and structure on how we comprise marketing strategies for clients here at Wingnut Social. You just have to do it yourself and take the course and walk through it and apply your own elbow grease. And also there is a supportive Facebook group. So if you have any questions, if there's a module or a lesson, 
there's a kajillion lessons in this thing. It's really robust. In fact, I've had people say you're you're maybe throwing the baby out with the bathwater and put put us out of business with this course, and which isn't true, right? Because there's always that person who wants to do it themselves, and there's always those people that are just like, hey, this is great, but no, thank you, do it for me. I have better things to do with my life, right? So this price point for the course is more entry level, more for beginning interior designers. You maybe you're just starting up your business, or you're got your business to a point to where you need a little bit more elbow grease on your Instagram marketing. Maybe you don't have any business at all. You want to get ideal clients from Instagram, or maybe you have an intern or you have an in-house marketing team. Maybe they don't know exactly what they're doing on Instagram. It happens. It happens a lot more than you think. So they can take this course and, and impart it and use the the principles and practices. And then when you're ready to delegate it to a firm, if you guys don't want to do it yourself, then guess what? Here we are. <laughs> See, we're hitting, we're hitting that market, that, that price point. It's brilliant, I tell you. Maybe something you guys should consider if you're not doing it already. Okay, but I, I, I'm joining on. Oh, where can you find it? Hell if I know. Wingnutsocial.com, Wingnut Academy. It's our first course, Wingnut Academy. Our second course should be launching within the next 100 years. <laughs> SEO for interior designers. But right now, the lowest hanging fruit and the biggest uh, return on investment for marketing dollar is Instagram for interior designers for getting your client. All right, wingnutsocial.com. Okay, let's get into my guest today. Today's guest, Danielle Hendon, is the founder and owner of Four Corners CFO, a firm offering financial advisory services to small business owners on a scale that fits their company and budget. Coupling her decade of experience in corporate finance and accounting with her passion for people, Danielle brings the benefit of big business, air quotes, financial analysis to entrepreneurs. Danielle helps business owners increase their personal livelihoods so they can leave a legacy and lasting impact on their community. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Danielle Hendon to the show. Hey there, Danielle Hendon. Welcome to the show. How the hell are you? I am doing good. I mean, let's be honest, I'm doing a great, but I'm also doing a little bit of a chaos as we all are with kids home for the summer and all the things going on right now. My dogs are home for the summer. Does that count? It 100% counts. I have one of those down the hall too that likes to bark at anything walking across the sidewalk. <laughs> you know, my, my fiance is actually out of town. She's on a work trip and um, her dog she brought into the relationship has separation anxiety. And, you know, he peed on the sofa right in front of me this morning. And I got up and I'm like, what? No. And I jumped up and spilled my coffee. And now I have like little what fourth degree burns. Oh, no, on now my, you have the tummy. pee and the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, chaos. Anyway, my point, I was circling back to your chaos comment. So Danielle, today we're talking about uh, money. You are a, a CFO for Four Corners CFO and you help small businesses manage their money. And for us as business owners, we should be comfortable talking about this subject, but more oftentimes than not, we aren't. So when we were in the green room, we were talking about our topic for the day is going to be that our three red financial flags for service-based business, which is what we are as interior designers. So let's dive into that. Are you game? I'm game. I think so many of us, and naturally so, I want to normalize it, want to stick our head in the sand because it's easier. But if you know the numbers, then there's so much you can do with it to grow your business. 
Yeah, I was that way for a long time. My ex-wife and I um, were in the business together and I was the visionary and she was the CFO. And I say that very loosely in quotes, air quotes, <laughs> because she had no real qualifications for it. And she <laughs> ran all the finances and I just was like, okay, let's make things pretty. Let's do this. I'm, you know, let's, let's do all these things. And uh, yeah, I talk, I, I used to put my head in the sand, but no longer now that uh, I'm large and in charge as a solo uh, show here for me running the business. So let's talk about the three financial red flags for service-based businesses. And what do you have as the first one? So the very first one, and I say this to anyone that will talk money with me for 30 seconds, is <laughs> your profit in your pocket. I am all about helping business owners put that profit back in their pocket. And if you are not paying yourself, whether it's through payroll or profit distributions, that is the number one red flag. That is, that's a good one. That's a big one. And I'm, I, I guarantee you, Danielle, there are those in the audience who are listening right now who are like taking this personally. <laughs> I get, I mean, we've all been brought up in this, this hustle culture, put the money back in. You've got to spend money to make money, hustle harder. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say two things. First of all, if you are not paying yourself in any way for three years, the IRS is going to tell you, you have a hobby. But if you can manage to make it three years without paying yourself in any way, shape or form, you are going to burn out. And who are we helping? Because every business owner I know, especially in the service-based world, is doing this because they want to help people. Who are you helping if you no longer have the energy to do what you're doing? That's an excellent point. And you know, when I started my business, I actually started as an interior designer and I didn't pay myself for a good couple of years um, with the aforementioned <laughs> CFO. But our my rationing at the time was investing back into the business, investing into the marketing. I had other forms of income, you know, as well there and and hiring people who uh, interior designers to expand and to scale. So what would you say to those business owners who are in that mindset? Or like, you know, I just started, I'm investing back into the business. Maybe I'm hiring someone to do CAD work or I'm hiring an administrative assistant so I can free myself up to grow the business. But I, maybe they have a little bit of flexibility to do that. Is that still a bad idea? It is a wonderful idea to invest back in your business. And it's a necessity early on in business. But there's balance to everything. And I'm going to use, especially I'm going to talk from the perspective of being a woman in business. We tend sure. as women to put ourselves on the back burner in, and take care of ourselves last. If you are not paying yourself first, and it could be small, it may be 1% of your revenue and you just build the habit of paying yourself. If you're not doing that, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to problem solve how to pay the other things. You can do both. You can invest back in your business and pay mm -hmm. yourself while you do it. You have to build the habit of taking care of you in your business so that your business is sustainable and not just boom and bust. I like that because that's not like a balls to the wall kind of solution, right? It's not like you're not paying yourself. So start immediately $120,000 a year. You're just taking 1%, um, which reminds me of the profit first method by Mike Michalowicz. You're, you're nodding your head if you're watching us on Huge our fan. YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. He's been a guest on the show. And that's actually how I did start paying myself was I took out one to 5% of the gross actually of the business, which may or may not be a bad thing and started paying myself and just made that work 
And then eventually Mm -hmm. it just started working more and more and more. And as we're growing Wingnut, our marketing agency, that's growing more and more as well as we're investing. And I I learned that you're to your point again, you're right. And there's only so much a human being can take without (laughs) burning out. You've got bills to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Mama (laughs) needs new shoes. So yeah, for sure. I, I did learn that lesson the hard way for sure. So very very good point. So uh, how long on average should someone reasonably be in business before we're getting past that one, five, 10%? And how do we, how do we, what's the word? I want to say formulize that, but I don't even think that's the word. How do we, is there a formula for that? Let's say that. <laughs> so I'm going to give the the standard accounting answer is it depends. <laughs> and it's going to be a little different probably for everybody. But if you're able to build a habit, let, let's go back to building a habit. It takes 21 days to consistently build a habit, but you're not going to pay yourself every single day, right? You're going to pay yourself once a month. Usually when you're starting out, if we're lucky, we might be twice a month that it's about a year that you might sit at that 1% and trusting that you can figure the rest of it out and pay yourself. But I would say after that first year, sit down with your bookkeeper. I hope you have a bookkeeper. If you don't, it is the very first financial person you should hire sit down with your bookkeeper, go through the numbers and figure out how can you make it more? Look at the end of that first year and say, how could we make this more than 1%? And get creative because if you're paying yourself 1% to 5% in that first year, you're flexing some of those creativity muscles to figure out how to continue to grow and do the things you want to do. Making a plan for your future after that first year is what I would recommend. It's not necessarily a set number for people. I love the way Mike does it. And he walks everybody through in the book how you can calculate what those numbers would look like based on your revenue. Absolutely love his benchmarking. But I would say the biggest part is coming up with a plan. What what does that plan look like for you that fits your business? And if I'm honest, your lifestyle. You may have what we call a lifestyle business where it's just about it's just as much about your time as it is your money. And if you're giving yourself back time, you may not be giving yourself back as much money. Yeah, I think I've fallen into a nice sweet spot for that too, where, where I do have a lot of a life, a good lifestyle and a lot of time, a lot of freedom as the rainmaker and the big, big picture person and doing the podcast because I have a very dedicated and talented, talented team at Wingnut that takes off all the heavy lifting. So I think so. <clears throat> that's a, that's a great point. By the way, um, a bookkeeper is absolutely the very first. Uh, entity that I hired out for my business. And I recently just hired a fractional CFO, which I should have probably done. (laughs) I should have probably done with the previous relationship, but (laughs) (laughs) better late than ever. Okay. So what would the next um, financial red flag be? So I'm going to stick with the theme of profit and say that your next financial red flag is in a in an area in accounting terms, it's called your gross profit margin, your gross profit, okay. your gross profit margin. When you look at your P&L, again, if you need to sit with your bookkeeper and get some help looking at this, when you're looking at your P&L for service-based providers, I often find they don't categorize the people that are helping them provide that service in their cost of goods sold. They may have people that are either on staff or contracted, and that contractor line or that payroll line sits below the revenue section of their profit and loss statement. It sits in that expenses section, and it takes away from your ability to see how much money it takes for you to make money. 
your costs are going to be on your P&L statement. They're going to be two different types of costs. You have the costs that we call revenue generating. They help you bring money in. And then you have costs that are used to run the business. And they sit in two different places on a P&L. You mm-hmm. as a business owner should be able to open that P&L statement at any time and know how much money it takes for you to make money. Because at the end of the day, you want to be in a position where you're making enough money on the revenue generating activities to pay the other bills and yourself. And a lot of times for solopreneurs, we are the one that's providing the service. But as you grow and expand, you might have a a VA that's helping do some of the work. You might have a like an an associate, an intern, somebody that comes in and helps provide services. And so often I see service-based providers not valuing that time as a cost of providing the service and thinking they have a 100% profit margin because they just get paid to do what they do. But then if you have other people doing it, how much are you paying them? And I'm going to go back to if you're not paying yourself, what should you be paying yourself? And what is the hourly rate that you would actually want to pay yourself on this. Oh, that's a that's a really good point. And can I ask you, maybe this, I'm telling you, this is, I hate talking about money personally. Like I said, I used to have my head in the sand. But how does that relate to um, what we refer to as EBITDA? You know, e- yep. EBITDA? Yeah. So EBITDA stands for earnings before income tax, depreciation, and amortization. Okay. It is a very accounting heavy term. <laughs> <laughs> Does what you just said tie into that or am I totally off base? It's a little bit different. So earnings before EBITDA is very similar to the very bottom number on your P&L. So what we call net income shows mm-hmm. at the very bottom of any income statement or P&L, whichever term sits better with you. That net income number is your earnings, your revenue, minus everything you spent. That's net income. EBITDA says from an accounting perspective, there are expenses that we only really keep track of for accrual basis accounting. It's things that we want to make sure we're doing for tax purposes and for accrual purposes and to be compliant with accounting principles like matching your revenue with your expenses. Your depreciation and amortization are are two of those types of costs. When you, let's say you bought a car and you bought it in the business name, your tax accountant is going to tell you, we can write that car off. We're done with it. Good, done. Get some money back. But in reality, that car is going to last you five, 10 years. You're making payments on it for five years. From an accounting perspective, we want to try to line up the life of that vehicle with how it hits your books. And that's where depreciation comes in or amortization comes in is lining things up with their actual life. So you're going to depreciate that asset, that car over the life of five years, even though your tax accountant wrote it off the books year one. Are you an interior designer looking to expand your reach and attract more clients? Well, we've got just the solution for you. Wingnut Social is the leading social media marketing agency designed exclusively for interior designers. Picture this, your stunning designs showcased to a vast online audience, generating buzz and capturing the attention of potential clients. 
With Wingnut Social, you can transform your social media presence into a powerful marketing tool. Wingnut Social understands the unique challenges faced by interior designers when it comes to social media marketing. That's why they've created a comprehensive strategy tailored specifically to your needs. With Wingnut Social, you'll have access to expertly crafted content strategies, custom tailored for the interior design industry. Say goodbye to those days of staring blankly at your screen, wondering what to post next. Wingnut Social takes care of that for you, ensuring your posts are engaging, relevant, and captivating. But it doesn't stop there. Wingnut Social also provides in-depth analytics, allowing you to track the performance of your social media campaigns. Discover which posts are resonating with your audience, identify new trends, and make data-driven decisions to maximize your marketing efforts. And the best part? Wingnut Social offers personalized coaching and support. Our team of social media experts will guide you every step of the way, sharing insider tips and tricks to elevate your brand and increase your online visibility. So why wait? Take your interior design business to new heights with Wingnut Social. Visit wingnutsocial.com today to learn more. Wingnut Social, where stunning designs meet social media success. I see. Okay, so not not exactly related because I was thinking about. So let, let me let me back it up then and make sure I understand. So when you're looking at your PNL statement and you have service providers like you mentioned, the VA, yeah, right. So who is doing work in your business, and because of that, you're able to provide certain services. So you have to itemize that in a different way. If you, what if you have a service um, like a subcontractor and you're doing making markup? Is that in a yep. different category? Nope, that would still be, I would highly recommend that subcontractor go in. It's in your income statement or P&L, it's going to be what's called cost of goods sold. And okay. a lot of people will not naturally put services mm-hmm. and contractors there. Right, exactly. Like we're putting our furnishings and yeah. You'll put your materials mm-hmm. because that's what you think of, but you don't necessarily think of the services that go into it. So your subcontractor mm-hmm. and the VA is a really great example I don't yeah. recommend getting this complicated if you're early on in business, but the more you grow your business, let's say that VA spends 20 hours a week doing administrative stuff, but then they're spending 10 hours a week prepping visuals for your client or putting something together that that they can do that is specifically client-facing, client-focused. I always recommend my growing clients do what I call a direct labor allocation. So while you may pay that VA and that's going to naturally show up as an expense in your contractor line, Mm -hmm. you want to take the amount of time that's spent providing services to your clients and move it up to that cost of goods sold. Because your ability to make money in your business is driven by that gross profit margin. You're sales minus the cost of goods sold gives you gross profit margin. And your ability to generate money is driven by that. Interior designers use that a lot. Um, At the agency, we don't a lot. I mean, I have payroll, but we don't really have any subcontractors. So uh, we're just payroll heavy (laughs) because of my team, because of the aforementioned lifestyle (laughs) that I mentioned. (laughs) It's time or money and both are valuable. Amen. Amen to that. It's called mental health, people. (laughs) Yes. All right. What is the third big financial red flags and how do we deal with it? Okay. So they kind of layer on top of each other. If you haven't noticed, the third one (laughs) is going to be digging into that profit margin more than just the individual number. It's what is your profit margin by product or service? Because in any business, there are three different levers you can pull to increase profits. 
the number one, raise your rates. We all know that we can raise our rates and most people are hesitant to do so, but probably mm-hmm. could and should. Yeah. The second one is cut your costs. Go, go through, figure out what your expenses are. What can you, what can you cut? The third one that people often forget and don't dig enough to realize is to market your most profitable product or service. And you only know what that is if you know your profit margin by service. How do we figure out what is our most profitable <laughs> service? How do we figure out the margins? I mean, basic common sense is telling me, okay, I made more money on that than I did in the other. It's pretty clear cut, but I'm having, I have a feeling you're going to say it's a little bit more complicated than that. It doesn't have to be. It really is that categorization we talked about. If you go through the effort of making sure you're putting your service providers into the cost of goods sold and that you're capturing all the costs of generating that sale, that revenue, Mm -hmm. then it's figuring out what What are your service streams? What are the service types that you offer? I know, especially I'm sure for interior designers, it may be that you don't have specific packages or things that can be cut and dry, but you do things on an hourly basis or on a flat fee basis that you know is going to come to a certain amount of work. Right. It's figuring out what is the cost of providing that and bucketing them. So you've got to, first, you've got to identify the revenue streams. You've got to know what are your services. And that's, like I said, it's not always the easiest if you're a very custom provider to figure those out. But you can usually go by buckets. If you have a large client might be this much to this 10,000 to 20,000. That's my large client. I've got my middle clients that are 5,000. I've got my, I just want one room client for that, whatever that looks like for you. Coming up with categories to determine what are the services you provide. And then breaking that up and saying, how much money do I make on this client? How many hours did I put into it? How much money did I pay for Mm -hmm. other people to put into it? And I'm going to circle back to what is that hourly rate that you're making? If you're not paying yourself on payroll, what is the hourly rate that you're making to provide that service? So as you're, as you were talking, I'm thinking for categories for the interior design business, you're, you're right. There's a lot of custom stuff that goes on. So the, on the design side, you have bigger projects, smaller projects, different ranges of scope. Mm-hmm. But at the minimum, you have your consultation, your consulting where you go in as a one off, right? And it's just two hours of your time. You're charging anywhere from three to a thousand dollars for that to give takeaways. And that's. Pretty yeah. low cost of entry. That's just your your time. Your time. The second one would might be just uh, design time, delivering a design. They run off with all the project management. That's another service. And the third one would be full service with furnishings and and all of that, all of that jazz. So it can get kind of complicated, but there's also a lot of in the middle. And what I find with a lot of my my service based clients is you will be amazed if you go through this effort of how much money. Do I charge? How much money does it cost? What's the leftover number? And Mm -hmm. essentially, you take that leftover number, divide it by what you're charging. That's your profit margin. So you take the the gross profit divided by the revenue that gives you a percentage. We want to figure out which one has the highest percentage. When you do that, and what I've seen with a lot of service-based providers, which is it it kind of baffles me and makes me laugh, that (laughs) entry-level item almost yeah. always ends up being one of the most profitable. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I think that some designers, if they run through that, might be surprised that the consultations, like a consultation only model or a design and deliver, you run with it kind of model, you might find are more profitable if you aren't charging what you need to charge for the full service. 
type model because again, we are all kind of we get a little skittish charging what we're worth for some sometimes for yep. those things. We tend to undercharge, especially in a flat rate kind of way. Oh yeah, especially when you're quoting a big number. Yeah, I've I've talked I talked to a lot of interior designers who come here to work with us at Wingnut because we're a marketing agency for the for interior designers, etc. And um, I'll, most of them do not charge a flat rate, or they've come to me and said, you know, we tried that, we tried charging a flat rate, it just doesn't work for me so much. We found that we were losing our. <laughs> so I was the other thing I was going to say about that flat rate process for those people that feel like they don't know how to charge a flat rate or they're they're losing everything on it. The exercise we just talked about with profit margin and really knowing how many hours go into those different types of projects is is monumental in figuring out what that flat rate is. How much time are you truly spending on all of these things if you do want to move to a flat rate model? I will say, especially for service providers, getting to a flat rate model can be one of the most profitable steps you can take, but you've got to do it the right way. Yeah, I was I was going to say, and thank you for that, that that would be the first step to figure out the profitability behind that. And then you can start value pricing it. And by that, I don't mean discounting it, but charging what you're worth just for a project, not necessarily per hour, but because it's you, it's, it's Susan McNuggets interiors. And you can, if you're charging a hundred thousand dollar flat rate for that, and you know that that's your project, maybe because you're, you know, Kelly Wurstler or something, you're charging 200,000 because it's you, you can do that, but you have to have that, that stepping off point first. Daniel, is there anything I've forgotten to ask you on this topic uh, regarding this subject that you think the listeners need to hear before we get into the what up wing it round? I don't think so. I, I would <laughs> maybe just highlight also, we don't talk about it in the, the three big red flags, but mm-hmm. that other profit lever of your expenses and making sure that you're not just looking at sales and the cost of goods sold, but looking at all this. So many of us subscribe to random things that we forgot we put on the credit card and then they sit there and you're not yep. actually using them. Just going through those expenses once a year and making sure they make sense for your business can also save you a lot of, of, of time and money. Yeah. As you were saying that earlier, I was like, gosh, do I still have that subscription to Adweek? I don't know that I need that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Danielle Hendon, now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I'm ready. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Okay, so I have to go with always on time because I'm a military brat and my dad was, uh, you better, if you're on time, you're late. So I was, I am always on time. (laughs) My fiance is former Navy too, so she's retired. (laughs) So I understand. And I'm a former cop. So yeah, for sure. If you're on time, you're late. You're stuck on a deserted island. You can have your one favorite food forever. What is it? Oh man, I was torn on this one because the the logical side of me says I should get chickens because then they can reproduce and I'll have protein. But then the the me says I want chocolate for the rest of my life somewhere. You know what? <laughs> Do it. Chocolate. I like chocolate. There's nothing wrong with chocolate. I mean, how re- realistically, how long are we going to last if we're stuck on a deserted island? Let's right. go out with a bang. Just give me chocolate right? and make me happy till the end. <laughs> there you go. Last but not least, please recommend a book that's impacted you either personally or professionally. Okay, so we've talked about Profit First in this mm-hmm. call. So I'm going to throw out another one of the Mike Michalowicz books that I absolutely love, which is Clockwork. As you grow a business, Clockwork can be a game changer for you. I love that. Another good one. Really good. I love him. He's so good and such a great guest. So I, I just love everything about Mike Michalowicz. So Danielle Hendon, please tell the audience where they can go to find out more about you and Four Corners CFO, and we'll call it a day. 
We will have a website up just for you guys. If you go to four, the number four cornercfo.com slash wingnut, you will find more information about me and how we can get in touch. Awesome. So that's the number four corners, cfo.com slash wingnut. And that will be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com. So don't fret if you're out running or you're on an oil rig or something and you can't, you can't write this down right now. <laughs> Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Darla. Okay. So clearly I need to go back and learn what EBIT is. <laughs> Oh my gosh, my head swims sometimes with this business stuff with the money aspect of it. And I'm not going to lie. So my agency coach, we talk about the EBITDA and I've had other agency coaches talk to me about EBITDA, but clearly not not in great detail. Or I was seeing squirrels. My nickname is actually Wingnut, if you're new to the show, because I have attention deficit disorder self-diagnosed and also diagnosed by my old friends <laughs> and cops I used to work with. I would be on calls and see things and walk off and oh look a puppy. So yeah, that there's that I deal with. But Danielle talked about a lot of things here that I learned the hard way and now am now applying to my business. So it's really interesting to deconstruct what she was saying and going back over my five years in business now and seeing the mistakes that I made that she talked about, a lot of them, and how I address them organically or through advice from uh, other professionals doing this podcast or, or what have you, or just learning the hard way. And um, I hope that you apply what Danielle Hendon has advised here <laughs> and save yourself five years of worry and pain and aggravation and <laughs> all of that stuff. All right, guys, uh, you can go over to fourcornercfo.com slash wingnut. Remember to go check out Danielle Hendon. Don't forget to go to wingnutsocial.com. If you need help marketing your interior design firm on social or if you need help with search engine optimization. So when those clients are typing in interior designer, Miami, Florida, Susan McNuggets, you're popping up. Susan McNuggets Interior Design Miami is popping up on that first page so they can know about you. How are they going to find you if they can't find you, if you're not showing up, right? Um, referrals and networking are great, but you got to keep that pipeline stoked. It's a synergistic kind of thing, right? You want to be found. That's why I mentioned before on the course that our first course was Instagram for interior designers because it's low-hanging fruit, right? It still is a slow play. Organic social media marketing is still a long game. It takes a while to nurture that and build that to a point to where it's consistently paying off with leads and inquiries and that brand awareness and reach. You're not going to see that in two or three months, but it has more instant gratification, right? Than SEO does. You can see in real time people coming in, people following your brand, people sending DMs or questioning you about your brand, or, or you can see that build. You can still see results for search engine optimization on your Google Analytics, and you can see what what's happening, but it, it tends to be, in my experience, a lot slower of a build. Still very important. You need to do it because, like I said, everything works together, but Nine times out of 10, I loved saying nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, the social marketing for a new business is the low hanging fruit. And that's what I worked on when I started Darla Powell Interiors. That was where I put in all my effort. And that's it, it was 10x like that so quickly, putting in the elbow grease for that. So Instagram for interior designers, wingnutsocial.com. I'm rambling as a wingnut is wont to do. And uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> Until next time, remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Designed by Wingnut Social. 
But that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 786-206-4331 to see how we can help take your business from meh to amazing. We'll see you on the next episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, your digital marketing tightly fastened. I had a train of thought. I forgot what it was. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. (laughs) That was an edit, by the way. (laughs) On today's episode, we talk about all things money and I throw shade at my former CFO. Stay tuned. (laughs) My ex-wife, who's literally the worst. Like seriously, the worst. If you go to Wikipedia and you look up the worst, her picture is there. And you know how Wikipedia is like community supported and everybody puts their opinion in there. So take that for what it's worth. Coupling her deck. Hmm. <laughs> I just feel so awkward. Help me and welcome to the show. <laughs> but there are a lot of things that I say. Uh, Good boy, Mango.